welcome to the Beyond the Box War podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Rob Perrin. Rob is the head men's basketball coach at Catawba College in North Carolina. Coach, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Mind giving yourself a brief introduction to the listeners? Sure. Um, I'm Rob Perrin, head basketball coach at Catawba College and uh, completed six wonderful years here and um, a native of Minnesota uh, for land of 10,000 lakes, but um, been in North Carolina really the last two years of my playing career and then essentially in North Carolina with a brief stop in, in South Carolina for, you know, the duration of my, my college coaching career. Awesome. What was it like growing up in Minnesota? And, you know, talk about your, your high school basketball career. Sure. Um, I guess Minnesota is a, a great place to live, frankly. I mean, you, ha- you, you get to enjoy all four seasons. Uh, I, I definitely think it was, a, you know, we it, in Minnesota at the time, I don't even know what they are now, but we had four classes, 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A. And obviously not being as densely, densely populated as some of the other states, um, you know, it, it was good competition, uh, but, but I liked, I like kind of having less classes. Uh, I know in today's world, everybody, everybody wants to get a chance to championship play, but I do like the states that do a couple less classes or at least the, the winners of each class play off, uh, to get kind of a, a, you know, a champion, so to speak. It's kind of a neat thing, but, um, you know, we, we played at a. We had the, we were called the Big Nine uh, when I played in high school at our conference. And we had a pretty good, pretty good league. A state player of the year came from our league, and it was it was very competitive. I, I played with, uh, ended up being the Big Ten baseball player of the year was in my starting five in high school, and a couple other guys that played, uh, you know, Division two and Division one sports. So it was a, it was a it was an enjoyable time, and and I. Um, I enjoy my time there, but I feel like I kind of got two homes. I'm really blessed being at home in Minnesota and a home in North Carolina. That's awesome. Coach, this is kind of a random question, but you know, out your teammate who played baseball. How many of those college coaches, baseball coaches, came to your basketball games? <laughs> you know what? Uh, Shane Gunderson is his name, and he, uh, I think he got as high as AAA, and he was catching for the Golden Gophers there. Uh, not as many because he was younger. Um, when I was a senior, he was a sophomore and, and got moved up and was just a, a talent. Uh, um, so, I, you know, people didn't really jump on board with him uh, until later on in his career. Um, but he was he was just as good a football player, basketball player, just a winner. Uh, and, and so it was kind of fun. It's fun playing with those kind of athletes that are, you know, really, really talented in, in more than one sport. That's awesome. You know, you went the JUCO route, spending your freshman year at Normandale Community College. Talk about the experience, and uh, did they really do away with their athletic department? Yeah, it, it, was, it was really sad because it's probably a school at the time when I was there of 10,000 students, and the athletic budget was probably a very small percentage, and they got rid of it. I played for a guy by the name of Ron Liebensey Sr. And, and people in North Carolina know the name Ron Liebensey because uh, Ron Liebensey Jr. is the head coach 
at Barton College. And I ended up playing for father-son combination. So Ron Levensee Sr., God rest his soul, uh, was the athletic director and basketball coach. And we only had like five sports, but it was a very big school. And we did really, really well in everything. And, uh, you know, we had a new chancellor that came in that just decided that athletics wasn't part of his plan. And it made it kind of easy because Coach Levensee retired, I think, about three or four years after I left. Uh, I could be mistake. I could be off by a year or two, but, and then they decided that was their, their window of opportunity to, to get rid of athletics. But I, I, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, he was a great coach and, and a couple of my high school guys that preceded me and went there, not guys I necessarily knew, but guys I watched growing up and they had really successful careers there. And, and I was kind of full of myself. I thought I was a division one player uh, and, 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 but I had a really, you know, really productive career there. And, and, and I, I do not regret any of the choices that I made and, and then ended up uh, coming on a scholarship down in North Carolina at a school called St. Andrews, which was Division Two, playing for a father, you know, uh, Ron Levensee Jr. Um, at the time. That's how I got connected. What other schools, you know, were kind of in the mix and, you know, besides the father-son connection, what made you choose St. Andrews? Yeah, they just recruited me the hardest. Um, you know, I was, uh, I'm not a very arrogant person, but I was, you know, I had a lot of probably too much confidence back then. Like, um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm top 10 in, in division one Juco and scoring, for, but I was about three weeks into the season. So I'm getting a ton of letters. So like you learn like who's really recruiting you and who's not, uh, you know, like schools like Colorado state that I thought they were going to have me walk on and in Hilo, Hawaii, which was a division two and schools out in California I was getting, you know, just random places. And, but the reality is um, coach Levensee junior really recruited me. Like, you know, the father son connection obviously helped, but you wouldn't have necessarily known that, you know, uh, he just, he just, his staff did a good job of recruiting me and uh, small private school. And, and I, you know, at first, I really thought I was a Division One player, but you know, some people sat me down and said, "You know, these guys want you the most. They're giving you a scholarship. You should go play for them." And, and it was the best thing that ever happened because I later became an assistant there, and then the head coach there later on in my in my career. So um, it's funny how the basketball gods always don't give you what you want right away, but they give you what you need, and that was a, a, a great thing for me. Oh, that's so true. You know, you were the team MVP, captain of the basketball team, as well as captain of the cross country and track teams. How many of your current players could keep up with the 20 year old Rob Perrin? Not many. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it's more important that they uh, care that, uh, you know, know that you care and then they care what you know. You know, I think that's that's important. Like, I think it's just important to kind of get to know them. I don't really talk about my past playing career too much. I, I may tell a story here or there um, and I don't move like I used to move. So they may not believe me. I'm going to have to blow some dust <laughs> off the VHS tapes, uh, but, and they were VHS. Uh, I remember linking highlights together back then. You, you know, you have the double decker uh, and, and re press record, play on one and record on the other. So that was uh, quite a while ago. And I still think I'm a pretty young guy, even though I've got a lot of gray hair from bad help side defense, as I say. <laughs> but but, but um, uh, 
you know, that it was, I, I just really enjoyed my playing experience and I, and I wanted to, you know, play professionally and wasn't, wasn't good enough. But uh, it, what you do, it's funny when you shoot, I, I always tell people when you shoot for the, you know, the stars and you, you land on the moon or wherever it is, some, you find a lot of good stuff on the way. You know, you may not always reach your first goal or whatever, but but coaching has been even uh, more gratifying than playing. And I'm really, you know, miss playing and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I would tell people uh, don't underestimate, you know, any coaching job. And, and I've been, a, you know, kind of a living example of that. No question. So you earned, you earned your Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology. Right. Did you know that you always wanted to be a coach or did – part of you want to go be a psychologist like obviously they really go hand in hand right I, I always say a psychology degree by itself is helps you everywhere but it, it it's not going to get you necessarily get you a job like like I think it helps you in all elements of life um I I was you know debating about doing sports psychology um you know I, I was interested in you know potentially like being doing the GM thing uh that, that intrigues me uh and and but really some of my, the coaches that I played for said, you know, you should get into coaching. And, and when they told me that, that was one of the things in, I, I knew I'd be in athletics or basketball or in sports. And so I, I thought it was just kind of natural. Like I, I couldn't play in the NBA or overseas. So I coach or be a GM or if, and if I wasn't doing one of those things, I would probably be like a, you know, sports information director uh, following a team because I, I mean, I just, I love all the elements around basketball. Um, and, and I'm just as passionate today as I was in day one when I was volunteering and, you know, didn't know where I was going to get my next meal from, you know, and, and that was, that, that kind of always driven me, you know, just the fact that I love what I do. And, um, you know, I never get every, every season's kind of like a new lifetime, you know, and you can go talk about this team and, and that team. And, uh, and I think it's it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fun uh, just gearing up again. This is unlike any other, you know, what we're going through with COVID. Um, but I've enjoyed that. It's awesome. You know, you talk about, you know, volunteering. Was was your first position at St. Andrews uh, as a volunteer assistant? Or- yeah. yeah, so I, I had, you know, as most college kids realize, not everybody finishes in four years. And at, at the D2 level, they couldn't pay for, you know, summer schools and all that stuff. And we had to work and I had to make money to, you know, for extra stuff. And um, so I had a half a year of schooling left and I did an internship and took an online or an uh, independent study course. And then I was doing coaching. And so my internship was really to work for the department, even though my, my emphasis was basketball. I did sports information. I drove vans. I, uh, you know, uh, was game management. I did everything. And I think that was really helped, helps me understand all the, the process, especially um, what everybody else's job, what they go through. And so that was like a really, really valuable experience. And then really my first paycheck came from, um, I mean, that first year, I'd like volunteered umpire baseball games, and and I'm the son of I grew up the son of an umpire, so like, uh, you know, I kind of did odd duck stuff. But then um, my first paid job was our, our cross country coach was a teacher, and he took a group to Germany 
for a semester. And so I got paid, I think, $12,000 to coach cross country. So I was actually paid to coach cross country because I ran track and cross country in college and played basketball. So I, you know, I had some experience in that area, but I was pretty young. But that's kind of my my first paycheck was was doing that. I was still doing all the basketball stuff, but you know, I, I took a lot of pride in doing that job well um, because I knew that somebody had stuck their neck out for me to get me paid. You know, where I could be at the school all day instead of like be there eight or 10 hours and work on a side job at night, I could be there the whole time and, and, and at least be able to pay rent and, and buy a cheeseburger. Okay. Only get that. You know, what camps did you work as a younger coach? Yeah. You know, I worked Campbell was the, was the original. I think a lot of people say uh, the oldest basketball camp. So I worked that one. Um, you know, I worked uh, a lot of the, you know, just the ones we had, um, I worked several smaller college camps, but, but to be honest with you, like during the summer, I would spend a lot of my time going to the recruiting events. So I wasn't a camp circuit guy. I was kind of like, you know, here's, you know, three to $500 and go to the events that you want to go to. And so then I, I kind of was like, to me, it was all about the strategy of how can I get to as many places and see as many kids with as little money as I had. And so that was, I think that's where I became, like, the GM part of me was like, okay, how can I make this small salary cap work or whatever? Uh, so really a lot of my networking or meeting people was, yes, I did camps, but more of it was going to the events in the summer. And then I would just work, you know, side jobs in between uh but i didn't you know i work probably two or three weeks of camp every summer you know like one or two colleges outside of the college that i worked at but a bulk of it was was trying to trying to you know get on the road and stuff because the, the nice thing about being in a you know small d2 and i've told this to many people before is you can do recruiting you know if you're you know a graduate assistant you may not be able to get to do that and, and being a volunteer or paid through cross country in my case for the, you know, my, my second year, um, you got to do a lot of things that, you know, some people had to wait to do until they completed their graduate degree or whatever it may be. So I was really blessed and excited about, uh, you know, just being on the road and meeting a ton of people and, seeing you know who we're all they just guys got three good guys from the same high school and so and i didn't know what i was doing but i was meeting people and learning kind of on the fly and that experience being thrown into the fire um with without i don't want to say without a lot of guidance but but coach peeler and coach levency kind of just let me you know they let me go and, and they they did a great job of teaching me but you know you when you when you in your small college you don't you don't have a lot of money to do that stuff. So you got it's kind of what you decide to uh, do out of your own pocket or whatever it may be. Absolutely. How did you get connected with Dave Davis? So, um, so I was 26. I think spent, I think spent three years, I became a full-time assistant after a year and a half at St. Andrews. They gave me a full-time assistant job. Coach Levency, it's kind of really funny. Coach Davis left Barton to come back to Pfeiffer, okay? And so Coach Peeler, the assistant, got the St. Andrews job. 
So by Coach Davis leaving leaving Barton in a roundabout way, got me a full time coaching job at St. Andrews because Coach Levensy then took over for um, Dave at Barton, and I got a a, a full time uh, assistant spot at St. Andrews. And I, you know, I met Dave and knew him, and we competed against him. So that's kind of how we first got to know each other. I was an assistant; he was a head coach at Pfeiffer. But then uh, at after three years at St. Andrews, we 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 really, you know, did a pretty good job. And I thought here, I'm going to coach Peeler got offered the, the head basketball job at Erskine, a lot more money and, you know, um, kind of more of his own. He was the AD and basketball coach at St. Andrews. So it was kind of like he could focus just on basketball. And I thought, here I go. I'm the youngest scholarship school head coach in the nation. We went from worst to first and we finished, I think third or fourth, my third year as a full-time assistant. I was like, you know, this is going to be great. And I, I got mad that I didn't get the job, but the reality was, um, you know, I probably, probably didn't deserve the job at 26, you know? And what happened was Dave ended up having an assistant spot open, but I went back down to making probably eight or $9,000 a year and living in a dorm room. And so I'm like, you know, geez, I've been chasing this for three and a half years. Do I want to start over again? And that was my only point in my life where I was like, you know, what am I chasing here? You know, am I going to be rich? And I just decided I wouldn't fully be happy without basketball. But then all those doors opened at Pfeiffer. I got to meet Coach Lutz. I got to meet uh, a gentleman that helped me get uh, the job at Catawba. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know, that – the basketball gods again took care of me and, but I didn't see those dividends, you know what I'm saying? Right away, you know? Uh, but then we, we did really well at Pfeiffer. We were like, you know, we went first team went undefeated in that league. We were 18 and oh, we were like number 12 in the country, number one in the country in score. I'm a great group of guys. Um, and so after three years there at Pfeiffer, then St. Andrews called back and said, you know, would you like to be the head coach? So that's kind of, but it was, it was really neat kind of how it all transpired um, because I was mad at first, but uh, I had, a, I think, an offer at Tusculum and an offer at Pfeiffer and an offer at Chowan for Coach Burke and ended up taking the Pfeiffer job uh, just because I just – there's something about Dave that really um, kind of just rubbed me the right way. And I was about to take the Tusculum job, and I had to call him. And I said, Coach, I really want to – work for you because I like what you said in the interview, but I need to take this Tusculum job because I'm kind of on the clock. And, uh, you know, was, I wouldn't say out of pressure, but I would say out of that conversation, he offered me the job at, at, at Pfeiffer for a whopping $9,000. When did you meet your wife? Cause I know you got at sure. like Carolina's obviously. Yeah. So I met my wife um, while I was at Pfeiffer the second time. Um, uh, I was at Pfeiffer for three years, and then I went. Uh, I'm sorry, I met I met her while at the end of while I was at Pfeiffer, uh, and I when I came back to St. Andrews um, as the head coach, uh, she decided to move with me, and and you know um, that was kind of you know I met her uh, in Charlotte when I was working at Pfeiffer, and it was really the, you know the best thing that ever happened to me. She's just super supportive. Um, she just really interested in the human interest side of the, you know, of basketball and from the, you know, she's asked me how the players are doing and, and I can talk to her about that stuff. And 
she she's just really good with that. And I would say she knew anything about basketball kind of coming in the door, and um, it, which is, was kind of refreshing in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you think a lot of coaches' wives are, you know, basketball fanatics or whatever, and I've kind of taught her the game, uh, if that makes sense. But she's, you know, I came back from a wedding, uh, you know, from a player's wedding uh, one summer, and she's like, that's when you know you're making a difference. So she keeps me very grounded, um, win or lose, and, and, and uh, it's been the best addition, best recruit I've ever signed, for sure. Awesome. So, you know, you talk about then you know, your time at Pfeiffer and then becoming the head coach at St. Andrews. At, at the time, and, and even looking back on it, was that a dream job, being at your alma mater, being the head coach? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, when I left there kind of mad because I didn't get a 26, I, I had an un, unbelievable mentor. So Carl Ulrich, who was the AD at Army and commissioner of the Patriot League, came to Laurenburg, North Carolina, and retired. And if, and if anybody knows Carl, he just, he just stays busy. And uh, he kind of came back. He was an AD for a year or two when I was there before. And then he stepped away. And then he kind of came back when they needed to fill the AD shoes again. And he's the one that hired me. And he's, I think he's in the NCAA Hall of Fame or the College Football Hall of Fame. He's just an unbelievable man. And, and um, so that was just really exciting to me. I'll be really honest. Uh, St. Andrews was in a tough financial spot, you know, and after my first year there, I think I inherited a two and 25 team in July, but after my first complete season there, they pulled full scholarships. So I never really, you know, uh, got the the situation that I thought I was going to get into there, but I don't regret going there at all because moving over one seat to become the head coach is, you know, truly a valuable experience. And we got better. And, and so that, I think, I, I never, you know, why, you know, everybody likes to complain about their situation. I think going through that as a head coach, I think has taught me a lot about coaching because um, I, I watch coaches complain about their situation and, and we all do it a little bit. You know, we wish we could have this like so-and-so or that. And, and that situation better than any other told me that, you know, um, you can you can win uh, regardless of what you have. It just you, you got to be really efficient, and and but I just I think it's made me appreciate when I later got to work at Charlotte and see some of you know big time basketball it made me appreciate it a lot more. Uh, and, and so a lot of coaches, you know, they they've kind of started at the big brand or big box school, and they never get to appreciate you know kind of going through that other stuff. And I, I don't you know I really appreciated. Um, you know, some tough circumstances and tough situations in coaching. I think that makes you better. In a lot of ways, you've got to you – know, you could make an argument that there's a lot of really good small college coaches out there, uh, and they have to, they have to, you know, kind of be – do more of everything. And, and that's nothing to, you know, pick on the big schools about, but it's, I think it's – you know, it makes you more well-rounded. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, backtracking a little bit. So you talk about how the former uh, commissioner or the, the Patriot League helped you get that job. Right. When you're an assistant coach, especially at a small college, but really any level, how much interaction do you have with administration and, and really able to 
build relationships where not even looking for favors down the road, but yeah. oh, there's movement just like there is in coaching on the administrative side where maybe yeah. one of the guys is an AD down the road. Right. Well, I mean, that's, I'll, I'll tell you why I got the job. I think at Catawba, I don't know this for fact. And why I got the job at St. Andrews is because you're elbow to elbow with those guys. To tell you a funny story at St. Andrews, Hurricane Fran came through and one of my duties, and, and this is when I was an assistant at St. Andrews before coach Peeler became the AD um, when call, before Carl retired from St. Andrews kind of the first time. Uh, so Hurricane Fran's coming through, and I remember I got paid $5 an hour, five twenty-five, whatever minimum wage was at the time, to watch the building. Uh, be like the building supervisor for, for kids to come in at night and, and use it as a rec center. And Hurricane Fran came through, and so I'm shutting down the building, and I'm there's like, you know, <laughs> it's blowing and raining, and, and all of a sudden there's a there's a leak in the gym. So I put one trash can over there. And then all of a sudden, it's raining in the gym. The, the hurricane had tore the tar paper off the roof, and the it was just raining inside. And so, uh, you know, I'm trying to put – I call our AD, and I'm trying to put, like, the tarp uh, out on the gym floor to save it. You know, like one man dragging it through the hallway, and Carl rides through the rain on his bike, and we're trying to, you know, put this tarp, yeah, tarp out and – uh, you know, I just remember, you know, trying to vacuum the water out of there the next day. And like, you get to really know somebody uh, more as a, you know, as a person, because you talk about everything, you know. And so really, I probably had, you know, you talk about FaceTime with an AD because you're, you're, you're doing everything. You're mopping the floor, you're helping them unload trucks, because there's just not a bunch of extra labor for that. There's not a manager force of seven dudes to do that. And, and so, um you just get to really know them and, and, and how I treated him the first time and a guy that retired and came back. And that's how he, you know, he hired me uh, the second time. And, and, and when I was at Pfeiffer as an assistant, Jeff Childress was the AD and, and, and that's kind of was how I got introduced to Catawba. Um, this it, is funny. Like I tell people to, to never burn bridges and then always treat people, uh, in best interest of a long-term decision. So however you would, you would want to be treated for, for the long-term sake, you know, like that's how I've always kind of had the mentality of trying to treat everybody that way. Um, and, and both of those guys ended up, you know, calling me back and asking me if I'd be interested in their head coaching positions and, and uh, still had to interview and go through all that process, but it definitely helped that they got to see me work. And I, I, I really tell people that like your work ethic, defines you often um obviously it helps to know people there's no doubt about that but you know are you a good basketball coach do you have good work ethic who do you know all those things uh are are on the on the plate for getting jobs there's no perfect science and then there's then there's the luck factor and timing you know and i think all those four things have to align up for you to 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 get certain jobs but I, I would encourage all the people out there looking for jobs in basketball, just because it's not a great coaching job doesn't mean that people can't see you work. I think some of the best coaching jobs are done with 15 and 14 teams, you know, uh, uh, like, like people don't realize that there's some, you know, some really good coaches out there. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people can coach Kentucky to a, uh, you know, a final four, 
maybe only a couple like Cal Perry can recruit that group. But I think a lot of people can coach that team. You know what I'm saying? And so nothing against Coach Cal Perry. He deserves to be in that position or whatever it may be. But I think a, a lot of it is like when, when people get to see you work, that kind of ties through, uh, ties all those other things that I, that I talked about into getting a job. No, completely agree. You know, eventually you go and become the director of basketball operations at UNC Charlotte under Bobby and remain on staff with Alan Major. Besides being Division One, what were some of the reasons you took that job knowing that you wouldn't be able to be on the road recruiting? Yeah, well, first, uh, before I forget to say it, for an operations guy, Coach Lutz, you know, I got to be the integral, integral, integral part of, of – basketball stuff you know even though a lot of my time was doing administrative stuff like I never felt like my opinion or uh, my involvement was anything less than important on beyond administrative level uh, but I, I thought that was just a you know obviously it was division one so that was one of the reasons but it was it was in Charlotte and I kind of you know just through meeting coach Davis is in the Bobby Lutz family and so I kind of been around those guys and watching coach. And, and I, I said this on another, uh, you know, podcast type thing, like the coach Lutz is probably the, one of the most underrated coaches in the country. Uh, you know, he, he won at Charlotte, um, was all time winning his coach there. And, and, and I've said this many times, you think about who was in conference USA. It was a lot of the big East schools. It was Tom Crean at Marquette. It was John Calipari at Memphis. It was Bob Huggins at Cincinnati. It was Rick Pitino and Denny Crum at Louisville. Uh, Brad Soderberg at, at, at St. Louis. Those guys were all in the league at the same time that he was, and he was winning a fair share. Uh, as, as good a probably record against those guys as anybody. Um, and so, like, I just think he's just really underrated. He's, I think he's got great range as a, as a coach, like, coach a lot of different types of kids um i think he's a really good x and o guy and he's just smart um and then he's you know just a good human being um you know and so that was that was obviously a lure to me and then my wife's from charlotte so it was just like uh you know the triple crown <laughs> it was division one it was working for an incredible guy in a really a really great school um, and then the location was, was perfect. So like, uh, you know, uh, it was just a perfect situation. So there's no doubt in my mind and, and coach Davis, I would have, you know, uh, was gracious enough to help me get there. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more thankful to him. You know, Charlotte, obviously division one school. So the staff would you know be larger. So who were some of the guys on that staff while you were there? Sure. Well, I worked with boy a ton of good people. Um, uh, uh, so obviously, Coach Lutz, who's you know been at since then at NC State and Iowa State and, and Nebraska, and um, Bobby Coomer uh, is at uh, Mercer now. I think as the associate head coach. Chris Cheeks is at Boston College. Um, Rob Moxley is back home and, and some health stuff, but he was one of the best. He was at Maryland. Um, and then when I was with Allen, uh, I was with uh, Desmond Oliver, who's at Tennessee, Ryan Odom, who's a head coach at UMBC, Orlando Vandross, who's an assistant coach at Virginia. Uh, so, like, we've had some, you know, I've been around some really, really good coaches. And so that was a 
great experience, uh, you know, with those guys. Uh, and I, I talk to all those guys uh, to this day and um, they've all been good to me. And, um, you know, I think, I think Charlotte is a, is a really, really neat job. Uh, it's kind of, they're kind of going through the league shift thing, right? They were Conference USA. And then when that broke up, they went to the A-10 because that was a basketball, really good basketball league. I think we had six teams in the NCAA tournament and two um, in the NIT one year. And then when they added football, then they went back to Conference USA. And that was probably a football decision. But but the people that I meet there, even the administrators, uh, uh, the coaches that I met there, that was, you know, uh, really, really neat. Now, you come across as a coach who's good at making adjustments. You bring a plethora of talent into your program. And you've had a great success with helping your assistant coaches advance up the ranks. Who are some of those coaches uh, that helped you with all that? Well, uh, you know, not what I'm not sure. work for necessarily, but, you know, kind of mentors. Mentors, my mentors. Coach referring to yeah, like yeah. my mentors are sort of people I've mentored. Yep, uh, both. Both. Well, I mean, I mean, we've talked about most of the people that mentor me. You know, Coach Levensey and Coach Peeler and Coach Davis and, and Coach Lutz. Uh, you know, and then you know, really all the assistants that work for me. I'm not, you know, I'm no better because I'm a head coach than when I was assistant. I mean, I've been an assistant coach for 15 years too. You know, a head coach for 10. So like I. I you know, like I think you can learn from everybody. Uh, I always tell people, you know, that, that school bus driver's got a pretty important job. You know, he's taking your kids to school every day. Yeah. So under, understand that. But, but uh, you know, those guys were, you know, all played a major role in my, in my life. And then when I was at Charlotte, you know, I had like one manager who's now the facility director. Um, and then I recruited a band of managers that are all successful. Uh, you know, Nemo Midbar, who's George Washington, was at Maryland. Mark Bilkowski, who's now at Maryland. Um, uh, uh, Patrice Days, who's now at Coastal Carolina. Uh, Brian Graves, I, I kept on at, at Catawba, who's now, who's been at NC Central and, and Longwood and Hampton. Uh, so, you know, like we've, we've done really, really well with being able to, you know, land guys at other things. And it's really has nothing to do with like me picking up the phone and, and, and like making the connection per se. It has everything to do with giving them opportunity to work and letting people see what they can do. You know, that might've been an email or a connection or whatever it may be that kind of, you know, a conversation came up with me, but really all I had was opportunity. I had, you know, peanuts for scholarship dollars for those guys. And, and, you know, what I, what I can just convince them to do is like, you know, just people have to see, just like me, people have to see you work and understand that you're going to put time into it. And um, everybody thinks it's just about who you can sign and that does not hurt. <laughs> Let me, you know, make that clear. But a lot of it is too, like, are, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that want to coach. And if you're not going to put time into it, you better be good at something besides recruiting. You know what I'm saying? You better be a good coach. You better be, have some office toughness. You better uh, have a good feel for X and O or player relationship or how to deal with uh, administration or understand that, you know, you know, I think coaches have certain fits, you know what I'm saying? Like this is my vision for the program, but 
still what fits the school and maybe you know a high academic school so you have to recruit this type of kid or maybe you know uh, whatever uh, a smaller school and 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 you know you're under a microscope and, and, and so there's just different you know i think different things to coaching besides just getting good players and that again definitely helps but i think you know all those things allowing people to see you work um you know can give you opportunities and can say yeah this guy's a good personality fit for your staff because he's good with technology he's good with x and o's you know and i've been very blessed my current assistants every one of those guys has more than one super skill you know what i'm saying like you know whether it be coach uh, wall with skill and recruiting or coach asher with, with technology and, and 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 skill work or whatever coach marsh has skill work and is good great relationship with the players and, and, and recruiting and uh and he's got a strength coach background so like i'm really blessed to 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 have guys that you know that either develop a second third fourth skill or already have come in the door with those and that's kind of the thing is just keep adding to your portfolio well definitely uh, you know from charlotte you move on to newberry you're named the associate head coach under Dave Davis. Do you think you were a better assistant coach the second time around after being a head coach? And what were some areas that you improved on? Yeah. Um, I think that the that, that, that first year, you know, you're used to being kind of like a head coach. And so you're, you're thinking like that. And I think it's good as an assistant to think like a head coach. Um, but I still think it's important to understand that there's just a lot of stuff your job is to make the head coach's job easier, you know? And I, I, I don't know if I was a better assistant coach the second time around. I think in some ways, like the first time around, you you know, you're just being a sponge, you know, and you're, you're learning. So you don't even really get to, you know, break it down as much, you know, like it's just, uh, it is just like get as much as you can. I think sometimes as a head coach, you stop, you know, the head coaches have become assistants. Sometimes you, you, you slow down and, you know, try to break it down too much. So I kind of had to get past that that first year. And then that second year, you know, kind of remember, hey, uh, you know, you got to change roles, you know. Um, you know, you got to be a special teams guy. You got to be, you know, like whatever. Uh, and so I think, you know, sometimes it was kind of a, you know, half a year, a year reacclimation period. Um because it's you got to you got to think a little bit different, but you still want to think about as a head coach at the same time. So it's kind of like balancing the two uh, trends of thought, if that makes sense. No, definitely. 2014, you're named the head coach at Catawba. What about the job attracted you, and were there any other jobs as far as your interest around that time? Yeah, you know, I turned down a, another Division two job when I was at Charlotte when Coach Lutz left. And Alan kept me around. And I just, you know, I, I think the Catawba thing was, was perfect timing. You know, we were in the same league, Newberry, when we went from, I was, you know, I've been used to coaching the Carolina's Virginia Athletic Conference. And then we, I started coaching at Newberry, I was in the sack. And uh, I mean, it could have been better timing, um, you know, to, to get the Catawba job. And, and, and that was, I'll be really honest with you, they, they used to be our fierce, rivals so i didn't like because when i was at coaching at pfeiffer like catawba was our 
was, uh, you know, public enemy number one, you know, like we, we fierce rivals and, and I had a ton of respect for them. That, that's not when I, you know, when I say we, we were, you know, rivals, it wasn't that I didn't respect them, but it was like, you know, and, and it's, it was kind of funny when I went back when I was coaching St. Andrews, Pfeiffer was that way to us, you know what I'm saying? So like, you know, whenever you say, oh, I don't like those guys, you know, uh, and, and now one of our chief rivals is Queens. Well, I, my wife's a Queens graduate. <laughs> so, you know, all these people you're supposed to, you know, the, whether it be the Redskin uh, Dallas Cowboy rivalry or whatever it may be, like, it, it's kind of fun. Be careful what you say uh, about your rivals because, uh, you know, they may end up being, uh, you might be end up wearing their t-shirt or whatever it may be. So uh, it, it was, it was fun. And, um, uh, you know, the Catawba thing was perfect for me. I, I think what, what Catawba does pretty well uh, or, or better than a lot of people is they've kept a lot of people involved, you know, for a small school and uh, you know, our, our chief's club is I think 750 members strong now. And I say, you know, I love the location. You know, I say all roads lead to Catawba. We can pull from Charlotte. We can pull, uh, you know, from the Greensboro triad area. We can still, we're not too that far away from Raleigh. And, and you know, uh, we're kind of nestled in a, a great little little spot in North Carolina that we can uh, allure a lot of people. Um, and then we've got a good, you know, academic and athletic uh, tradition. And so, like, it, it was, again, it was a, uh, really, all of my moves have been pretty much no-brainer moves um, for for me. Uh, you know, maybe going from Charlotte to Newberry was like people were kind of taken back by that. But Dave and I had such a good relationship that was that made that very easy to do. Now you you kind of just touched on it, but you know, two of the previous Catawba head coaches stayed for twenty and then thirty-four years respectively. Yeah. What is it about the college and the town that makes it tough to want to leave? Well, I mean, Coach Moyer is a legend, you know, and, and so like that, you know, you probably uh, that probably made it pretty easy for him to stay. Um, he probably had a lot of other opportunities, but the, the four is named after him for a reason. Um, I'm not really worried about being a legend. I just I think uh, I feel like in some ways I graduated from Catawba. Like that's people make you feel pretty good about about working there. there we have challenges just like everybody else i'm not going to like deny that um but like every small college but i just we have some really really good leadership some really really good people uh you know larry lackenby our ad was at citadel um he's got a competitive nature and he's always trying to move us forward like uh i'll say this uh, about why i think Catawba. um you know, like every year I've been there, we've had something kind of major improvement. You know, the gym they redid, the locker room, uh, renovating the dorms. Uh, we've we've added an assistant coach. You know, like I just think every year we just put turf on the field during you know COVID thing, and to you know where a lot of people are cutting back, we just kind of you know found a way to keep moving forward. And we can't you know just knock down a building and put up a new one. But like, there's always signs of uh, things getting better, and and, and everybody's kind of grabbing an oar and rolling, so to speak. And and so that's that's important to me that you have that kind of culture or mindset. Um, and then I I just you know we've got a good tradition. 
And so like, you know, like uh, they didn't have a couple good two or three years right before I came, but, but coach Baker and, and, and coach Moyer did a phenomenal job of, 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 you know, establishing a tradition. So I think when you have some tradition, I think that makes you want to stay there, you know, and um whether it be whether it be teachers, whether it be a sports program, whether it be the support for for the program, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a neat little town. Uh, like I, I, when Coach Asher came, uh, he volunteered for me his first year, and he said, "Coach, I want to go to a local dining spot every night." You know, we're there grinding in the summer, getting ready for camps. He's kind of getting his feet wet, and he wanted me to take him. And I didn't realize all the neat little mom and pop shops we have, like. I think the more you you deep dive into to Salisbury or the greater Salisbury area, and sometimes we we claim Charlotte a little bit or the you know different little towns around us. But I just think um, you know our proximity to a lot of different places. Just you know, it's a good fit for a lot of people. And 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 uh, but I still think we're kind of a hidden secret too. Uh, so that that's that's one of my you know uh, charges is to to you know make our brand a little bit bigger. Um, and I think, I think we're, we're heading that direction, uh, which is, which has been great. No doubt. I mean, I've been to your games, been to some practices and, you know, you guys have a band, you have cheerleaders, you have a dance team, you know, the town, it's funny you said about coach Astor and, you know, finding a place to eat. Every time I would drive over there, I'd see a sign for somewhere else. And I'm like taking a mental note, like, Oh, I got to try that place. That place looks really good. Like that's, yeah. That that dim sign, something about it says mom and pop. Like I gotta go. Yeah. yeah, and I do. I do a thing with you know when we have a presentation with we have every chain restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Like so you know we're in inter- we're on the inter you know not far off the interstate four miles or whatever off the interstate. But but like people don't realize we have a lot of big city stuff, but then we have a lot of small town feel, and and so kind of that that's that's neat to me. Um, but I still think people make places, you know, and if, if you can plant, uh, you in a, you know, whatever, I don't care if it's Montana or Alaska or whatever, like, I think people will gravitate to you because you, 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 you know, you're a good guy and people will talk to you and you can, uh, make wherever your, your situation work for you, you know, like, uh, you know, like we didn't, when we redid the gym, we just did it very efficiently. You know what I'm saying? Like we put new bleachers in, we put new floor in, and, and it, look, it just you know the building's still the same, the structure's still the same. Like you know Fenway, like you, you just there's something about like uh, just whatever you have, making it a little bit better each day, um, is is the way it should be. You know, it's the way every person should think. Just make yourself a little bit better every day, whether it be quest for knowledge, whether it be that much better in physical shape whether it be, uh, you know, just building friendship or, or uh, you know, or fundraising or whatever it may be. Like you should just, you know, like you should work in those three or four boxes every day. And it's amazing how that will pay off if you just, uh, you know, keep chipping away. Coach, one thing I hope you guys don't ever change is you guys have the best popcorn at your concession stand. So whatever you guys do, don't change that at all. You would say the best what machines? Best popcorn at the concession <laughs> place. I've- I never knew that. That's great. I'll tell our food services guy that that we're we're uh, best popcorn in the sack. Uh, I think we were second in attendance. You know that was pretty cool to find out. I I had no idea. You know sometimes you don't 
you don't stop to to smell the roses. I'm not I'm not really good at doing that. Uh, I've gotten better at it with age, um, but uh, that's a, <laughs> I appreciate the the compliment. I think I think you've seen us probably at our worst. The one practice you came it could have been our worst practice of the year, and then you've seen us play a couple times. Uh, uh, I almost had to ban you from practice after that one bad practice. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, like I enjoy that, and, and I would say this to anybody: um, we're an open book. Um, and we don't, we don't proclaim to be perfect at all. And and uh, but I'll, I'll say, I'll say this: like, um, you know, we want to get to know people, and, and and so like, never be afraid to pick up the phone and call me or. Or uh, come by a practice, or come to, a, to come to a game. We want we want kind of people to see what we're all about, and 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 then you know, and then we want to learn from them. You know, I always I always tell our players like, take the good in every person that you meet, and put it inside of you. Right? Nobody's nobody's created perfect, uh, but but if you can take the good out of each person you meet, or say I really like this about their program or that individual or their game, well, why not make it a part of you if you can? If it's, you know, you may not be able to dunk from the free throw line, but you may be able to, uh, you know, have a work ethic that somebody does or be, you know, play that much smarter or, or uh, understand um, that this system or particular play may work for you. And I'm, I'm just a big believer in that is, is kind of just taking the best from every person you meet. That's awesome. You know, on, on this podcast, some of the guests have talked about just how great the coaching is in your conference and, and not even, you know, the teams at the top of the conference, but some of those teams where they don't have, you know, the max number of full scholarships and sure. there's really no off night. Talk about the level of coaching and you've been at some, you know, other division twos, but you know, at the, the small college basketball level. Yeah. Well, let, let's just face it. Um, you know, we don't have the max number of scholarships for division two. And so I have two or three choices. I can uh, cry about it. <laughs> you know, I can make it work for me or I can make it work for me and try to incrementally fight to get more. So I choose number three. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I choose to make it work for me. And then how do we incrementally improve that? And, and so like we talked a little bit about it earlier, like I think sometimes the tougher situations make for better coaches may not lead, may always lead to better records. Right. But like, like just think about what person at school ABC has to do that person at XYZ doesn't, you know, and then still there, you know, it, it still comes down to, um, it still comes down to people performing. Right. And, and, and basketball is a, is a neat game where, um, you may not, well, the most talented team often wins. It's not always that way, you know, and, and I still think there's a variable of, of, of buy-in and improvement and confidence and chemistry that all contribute to winning or, 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 or losing basketball games. And um, so you got to kind of, you know, you got to kind of put it in perspective and, uh, our, our league has produced some really good coaches and, and, uh, heck I, I was watching, uh, I was watching a NCAA like final four game. I think it was, uh, the referees were Jamie Lucky and Roger Ayers. And like both those guys came up 
in a small D2 league. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like it, 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 it's the same with, 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 you know, with, with coaches. I just, just, just think there's so many good coaches. I, and I'll say this, like, I, I went into this last conference tournament thinking that even though Lincoln Memorial was 32-1 and one or whatever they were, I still thought there was five teams in our league that could have won the conference tournament. You know, and, and Tusculum played them really well first half. And, and so I just, you know, there's a lot of good coaches and a lot of different styles, too, in our league. Uh, that's what's what's kind of been fun. You know, I, I, um, it's kind of fun to see the, the different styles of basketball being played. Well, I want to be clear. I'm the one saying this, not you. Uh, the referees I saw do your games this year will not be uh, doing the final four. This year. <laughs> Yeah, you said it. I didn't. Say I said it, not you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's uh, uh, no, it's a great, uh, it's a great league, and and they've done um, you know, a really good job of, uh, you know, yeah, I've been in a league that didn't have football, and now that a league that does, but I still think our our league is is known for its basketball. You know, and then our, our baseball team is phenomenal. Our baseball team is uh, number four in the country. I felt awful for those guys, um, and they don't have a max scholarship thing, but they they're, they just find the coach Gantz a legend. And they, they, you know, I felt terrible with COVID last year. Um, I think they were number four in the country, and they had like nine seniors. I think seven or so of those came back uh, to finish their their, their career, but. What a sad deal for those guys. And, and our, you know, we're on a bus on the way to the NCAA tournament and it gets canceled. So, um, you know, those, you feel bad for those kids, you know, in both situations that didn't get to, uh, hopefully the baseball guys, get a, the guys that came back, will get a chance to, uh, another chance, another opportunity to do that again. How, how often do you either – practices for the baseball team or you know pick the other coaches brains you know it doesn't have to be your sport obviously but coaching is coaching well i can say this and and, and you can turn me into the answer i'm a cheater uh because i have a coaching class a coaching responsibility class so my my newest strategy is if i really respect them as a coach i have to speak in my class <laughs> uh, so uh no but but i'm around a lot of good ones um and and so that I would I, I would suggest everybody do that and I think it's really good to not only do it in your sport more frequently but to cross over to some other sports and 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 listen to those guys you know what I'm saying and uh, I know there's different kind of cultures with different sports or whatever it may be but uh, I just I think you can you can learn from you know, I mentioned the bus driver. Uh, I, I think you can learn from a lot of different people. And, and uh, Coach Gant, Coach Walker uh, have been great. Uh, Nick, uh, our, our women's soccer coach, has been a great, you know, we bounce ideas off each other all the time just about, you know, how we're going to approach this, you know, stuff to do with COVID or, um, you know, we, we both had a really deep team, you know, how you approach that mentality with everybody. So, you know, Obviously, he's in a sport that has 11 soccer players. And I said, well, we always try to have 10 starters. You know, always, but I tell my assistants, we want to have 10 starters, 10 kids that we feel comfortable starting every night. And some may be on the development upswing or some may be seniors that are seasoned or whatever. But I, I kind of, you know, that's one of the things that I've always I, I try to you know, cultivate in our staff is that we have 
we want to recruit starters, even though they may not start right away or they've got a chance to start by their sophomore year or whatever. And so, you know, that's been been great. And then I got to give our guys a lot of credit. There's been some you know, good buy-in with, with understanding that just because I'm a starter, uh, Malik Constantine, who signed a professional contract on Monday, you know, he did that. You know, he played five years, you know, with us in, in, in you know, redshirt because he went through some injury stuff. And he came to me uh, two years ago and said, Coach, I'll come off the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, was one of our best players, uh, you know, one of our best players in the clutch. And, and uh, so I finally had to say, well, you're going to have to start these games because you're playing so well. <laughs> but, you know, to do that, to, to keep team chemistry and happiness and, and all that was just such a, you know, um, mature thing to do. Uh, and, and not a lot of kids are, are mature, to, you know, mature enough to do that. And I, I've been blessed to have a lot of guys that have uh, to, to buy into that. And, and, you know, last year we kind of were uh, us against the world, you know, type mentality. I didn't, I didn't mind that, but it was different. It was different than the coach and the team the year before. And so each, you know, you got to, I think as a coach, you have to adapt. Uh, I think so many people forget about that. You know, you got to be able to adapt uh, because I don't think no two teams are exactly alike. I think you will definitely uh, adapt here. And, you know, we've spoken about you graduated a lot of talent. Um, and, and obviously you have a ton of talent returning, uh, just not as much experience yeah. you know, stat wise. But, you know, do you find that, you know, players want to play harder for you just because you are, you come across as a player's coach. Right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want them to play harder for me. I want them to play harder for each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, I don't need any of the credit. I want them to understand that, you know, the, it, it's, it's bigger than them. And when you walk in that locker room and you look left and right, and know that you didn't uh, go as hard as you could, prepare to the best of your ability, or compete every day, then you've kind of let everybody down, you know? So I want them to play hard for each other, and then understand that, you know, um, I mean, people, that's often how you're judged, right? How you react uh, to adversity, how you you play? Um, we have a developmental program, which is you know, those are kids are non-scholarship guys. They're playing prep schools and junior colleges and Carolina's JV. And I always tell those people like that is basketball. It's essential, right? They're they're not getting a scholarship to play. They play because they love it. You know what I'm saying? And so like, uh, if you could just strip basketball down and just play because you love to compete. And that's your nature. And uh, you're going to knock your teammates head off in practice, but then you're going to go, you know, eat in the cafeteria with them and, and laugh at each other about everything. Like that's, that's important to me. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, I want to take credit for them playing hard or not hard. Uh, I want them to understand that, you know, we shouldn't have to coach that. Um, I do think in today's world though, you know, you, you've got to, do more stuff to make that happen just naturally. Um, I think there's more things at play, whether it be vying for their time or distractions or whatever it may be. 
And, and so um, to, to me, if you can, when you recruit a kid, I try to take care of a lot of that on the front end. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get after it. Do you think he's like our coaches? Do you think he's a good fit for our team? You know, uh, is he, is he a wee guy? Um, does he care about winning? Uh, what are his goals? Um, how does he, how does he treat people in the hall? Like those things all lead to, you know, having kids that play hard, you know, uh, that are not, uh, self-centered or whatever you want to, whatever term you want to insert there. Okay. Definitely. Now coach, we've come to the segment I call start bench cut. You start one, you bench one, you cut one. Okay. Nike, Go ahead. Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. <laughs> okay. Wow. Hey, you can uh, explain why if you want. Okay. No, that's just great. I, I, I've got to, uh, I've got to start Adidas, right? Because they're, we're in Adidas school. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna probably, I'm gonna probably uh, cut Under Armour, and I'm gonna bench Nike. Okay, so what you're telling me is you don't recruit Maryland a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I know a ton of players from Maryland. So, and my guys are working at Maryland, you know what I'm saying? But, but uh, if you're, I'm, I'm, a, you know, like I think about, okay, what kind of gear, you know, you gotta wear, you know, I, I like Adidas gear, you know, uh, it's just what I, what I know right now. You know, I, I was a Nike shoe guy growing up. Um, uh, so like, you know, I, I think you can find the, the good in all of it, but, uh, yeah, it, we, we've had, I've had a ton of Maryland guys, Seat Pleasant, Laurel Largo, Rockville. Uh, I can go on and on about Maryland, especially in my earlier years. Uh, we've, we've had to, you know, recruited our backyard recently, but, but, uh, Maryland, Maryland's been pretty darn good to me. I bet. Uh, being a Minnesota guy, Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves. Well, I'm going to say this. Um, I'm I'm going to because they're in season. I'm going to I'm going to start the Twins. Okay. I'm going to bench the Vikings, and I'm going to even though it's basketball, I'm going to cut the Timberwolves. Uh, and I can still claim the Lakers because they were, you know, they're, they're called the Lakers because the land of 10,000 lakes and they originally started in Minneapolis. Oh, absolutely. So, so I could pick them up off waivers. Is that part of the rules? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, yeah. <laughs> you are a GM at heart. You're yeah. Definitely a no, but, I, but you asked me in a couple months when the you know, Timberwolves got the number one pick. So I am, I am jacked right now. And I'm a true Minnesota fan of everything. Carolinas is my, you know, Panthers and the, the Hornets are all my second favorite teams, but I, I do, I do. I do claim I'm wearing a Minnesota hat right now, Twins hats, because it's in season. So all the Wizards get whatever pick they got. I was just like, oh no, we suck again. <laughs> right. Well, they, yeah, it's been tough in the West. You, you, it's been tough to move up in the West for sure. No question. Uh, cookout, Bojangles, Zaxby's. Oh. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Cookout, even though. I'll tell you a funny story. We were we were practicing um, late one night. We're like, okay, we're gonna miss the cafeteria. And our guys love going to is it CC's uh, uh, Pizza where they can yep. uh, yeah eat all you eat buffet pizza right? Buffets work good with basketball players. 
but we'd kind of had that the last one or two times we went, you know, late practice and couldn't get to the calf. So, you know, I said, they're like, coach, I need a tray. And I'm thinking they're talking about a three point. <laughs> okay? But I guess the thing at cookout, they call them a tray. Yep. Right. So like, I, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, let's, let's, let's get a tray tonight. Let's, we'll just, you know, Marcel just hit two threes, you know what I'm saying? What else do you want? You know? And, uh, uh, but they were, they were talking cookout, but I would probably cut cookout, uh, because it probably goes through you faster than all of it. What were my other choices? Bojangles and what? Uh, Zaxby's. I'm probably, we, we've added a second Zaxby's in Salisbury. I think we're small town, two Zaxby's. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, Zaxby's is trending. Up, so I'm going to start Zaxby's, and I'm going to bring uh, – I call it Bojangles instead of Bojangles. I'm going to bring them off the bench. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I, I do the yeah. same thing, actually, most times. What's that? I said I actually do the same thing, so I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't aware yeah. that we're a Bojangles guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where – somewhere in college somebody started calling Bojangles, and I just – it stuck for me for some reason. I don't, I don't know where it came from, but somewhere in my – Rooted pass into somebody call it that, and that's what I've called it. I don't know why. All right, now I've heard your your locker room music, so I know that you've heard of these three guys: Kendrick Lamar, Kanye, and Drake. Uh, I'm gonna cut Kanye. I'm gonna start Drake, and who's left? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, he's coming off the bench. Okay. So I think I think Drake's. Uh, and I'm, you know, not proficient in 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 all the music for sure. But I think uh, he's just got, you know, he's very intelligent, uh, you know, with with all this, with the way he whips his words. I guess, uh, you know, just all what he does. I just think he's really, really talented. Okay, last last one. Hoop dirt, verbal commits, transfer portal. Hoop dirt. Verbal commits or transfer portal. Uh, I would add one to that list and be like, people I trust. You know, <laughs> like so. I think in all three of those, there's there's people that I um, uh, trust. You know, that are maybe affiliated or not affiliated. And obviously, the transfer portal is you know depends on what school they're coming from or whatever. I unfortunately feel like that is become uh, what people spend a lot of time looking at. But I think the other two are where you need to, to spend more time because a lot of our guys, and I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not answering the question, but a lot of our guys have come from a long term relationship from Morrison and from myself. You know what I'm saying? And they may come back to us. We, we, if Daquan Lilly, we offered out of high school, he bounced back to us. You know, Ben Zamonic ended up signing with Ryan Odom at LR, but I was the first to offer him. So I would say those other two are, are probably my starter and, and, and off the bench. And then I would probably say the transfer portal is, is what we cut, but uh, we use all three. I mean, I'm not going to, like, uh, I'm going to be real as possible about it. I, I think a lot of your legwork needs to be done early. No, well, well said. You know, who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Guys that, you know, unique stories and that coaches could get a lot out of. These are good questions. Um, 
I, I think there's a guy named Coach Pete who is uh, funny, um, long-time coach and just a basketball fan, and, and kind of is over the years. Uh, Dan Peterson's name. He, he would he would like, you know, he coached for a, while, a long time, and then he then he kind of just was kind of like I call a basketball nomad in a positive way. You don't take the term nomad bad, but he kind of like just kind of embrace. He'd say, I like this kid. I like this kid. I like this kid. He just kind of, you know, he'd get to know them and just kind of like he might help them with their recruiting, but he may not. You know what I'm saying? Like he just kind of like the basketball family's got a great mind and he's always got these um uh like gimmick evaluations and stuff. You know, he would say, uh, uh rate the guy's performance on a one to five scale and times it by the opponent, how good the opponents are. And he said, if they're, if they're not double digits every time, you should take them off your recruiting list. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that was just a, just a quick way to do it or talk about uh, a way to evaluate people's shot selection. Or he just have all kinds of like neat, quick antidotes. And that not a, peop- a lot of people know him. Um, maybe the older guard knows him well. Um, but I think he's just a, a really good, interesting, funny uh, basketball guy uh, for sure. I think Coach Lucci should have on there because I think he does just an incredible job. And I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. And they said I had to come up with three guys. Yep. Wow. Um. I will call Larry Dixon. Okay. Who, I gave him his first college job. He's now the, the uh, assistant coach at University of South Florida. Yeah. Uh, but he is like one of the best simpleton guys I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, he doesn't make anything difficult. You know, it's just, you know, cut and dry. Um, you know, it, it may be profound, it may not be profound, whatever he says, but it's just simple. And, and I've always I never regret hiring him. He was my first hire. Uh, another one of the guys in my coaching tree that's done really well. Um, but he made me look well. You know, I'm like pretty good coach. Like, and I, uh, I'm not surprised he's, you know, taken off and coaching at a very high level. Coach, let's say an 18-year-old asks you, you know, how do I get into coaching? How do I, how do I become a successful coach? What would you say to him? I'd say there's a lot of different ways. You know, and I, I said this on another video thing or something, but like, you don't have to take like I'm a GA at, at, at Maryland or, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, you know, like in my instance, I was a small college volunteer and I got to meet and do every part of the job. Uh, number two, I think you got to throw as many darts as you can. Like, obviously, no. Uh, invest in relationships and then a lot of people will meet somebody but they don't do a great job of staying in touch with them you know what i'm saying so i think i think you know uh being uh persistent in relationship growth and then and then thirdly be a, a person that has more than one skill don't don't just be a great recruiter don't be just a great x and o guy you know uh, be a good skill guy. Um, try to be as many things you can be good with film, 
be good with technology. You know, uh, Coach Asher, one of my assistants, has been one of those guys. Like, yeah, uh, he interviewed for a job and he got kind of uh, he didn't know Photoshop, right? And that's and kids love pictures. And he, when he got that feedback from the interview, he didn't get the job, and he, he probably wasn't going to get it anyways. But he, you know, got involved, and and he just came back angry. You know what I'm saying? That he didn't know all the Photoshop stuff. You know, he didn't do a great job with that part of the whatever the interview. And he does, he's phenomenal at it now. And I, I really admire him for that. Um, and, and so like all of my assistants have kind of, uh, you know, they have that, that kind of competitive drive. Uh, like, uh, you know, if I know somebody, they want to know them too. You know, and I love that. <laughs> Tell me a story. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're trying to build relationships and network as they should. And so I think all those things are, are really important. You know, it, it, there's no one path. And then I still think, you know, you've got to still, it's still got to be about timing and get lucky. And, 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 and then I think being the right fit for a job, you know, like one time they may be looking for somebody that's good at recruiting Virginia and you may be strong in Georgia. Well, it doesn't mean that you weren't good enough to coach there just means that they were looking for something different. So don't don't take it personal and burn a bridge and be mad about it. You know, uh, just say thank you and stay in touch. You know, and, and um, uh, you know, that's, a, I think, a big part of becoming a, a better coach or, or getting a job is just don't, don't be bitter, you know, uh, just get better. I love it. Coach, if listeners want to get in touch with you or follow social media, you know, what's the best way to you know reach out? Yeah, um, I'm not an Instagram guy yet. I will be. <laughs> I've got a Twitter account. I don't even know. R Robert Perrin 42, I think. Uh, my email is R J Perrin P E R R O N 14 at Catawba C A T A W B A dot E D U. And I'm not afraid to put my cell phone number out there. My cell phone is 704-293-4277. You know, uh, probably texting me first and then calling and talking. I'm a big, I would rather talk to somebody, but I'd rather text to know who I'm talking to first. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, then, and then I can uh, but, uh, I use all forms of communication. I've got to get better with Twitter and Instagram, and I have. But... Um, that's something that I've, you know, one of my weaknesses or whatever. And so I would rather a guy text me or call me um, or email me. Although I'm not a big fan of email, like I'll get to that stuff. It's just, it, it, you know, becomes a little bit overwhelming. So the phone stuff's easier to deal with immediately. No, absolutely. Now I can't thank you for coming on the podcast with your time. You know, when I, when I came to that first practice, uh, I reminded you the first time we met was, shoot, probably three and a half, four years ago at a DMV Elite 80. Yeah. I asked you about your thoughts on the kid who had a D2 offer. And <laughs> I won't say the kid's name, but he's at a Division three now. And I said, you know, would you would you recruit him? He said, I wouldn't waste a stamp on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I like this guy. He is bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll say this. I, I'm – I'm going to tell you how I feel and I'm, I don't pretend to be right all the time. And I'm okay. If you tell me how you feel, as long as we respect each other, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, uh, I, 
<laughs> I remember that event. Uh, and, and, and I appreciate, I just want to tell you, you know, Dave, what you're doing for the basketball community is great. And, uh, um, and don't underestimate the value of this. And, and I'm a big podcast guy. I'll listen to one on the way to work. Uh, in the morning when I can't call as many people, you know, before they're up, I, I usually use my rides home at night for phone calls, recruiting calls, call former players, call my parents, whatever it may be. But, but on the, in the morning, I always try to listen to one of these or uh, have one in the background. And I just, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, but, but even more so, I appreciate what you're doing and know that uh, you're serving the basketball community very, very well. Well, thank you, coach. And like I said, I just, you know, I appreciate you. Uh, two of the four jobs I was in the mix for were, you know, as a direct result of, of you. So, I, you know, I appreciate yeah. that. And I appreciate, you know, the help and guidance and friendship uh, over this past year or so. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know what, and I can brag on you for a second, like uh, you did those things that I was talking about. And that's why I'll always try to help. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you came to more than one practice. You stayed in touch. You said, look at this guy. And it wasn't just you helping me, but I thought you were sincerely trying to, uh, and I asked for your input too, like you, you know, um, but I thought there was a good just dialogue and, and, and I could tell that you absolutely love the game. And there's too many people out there, uh, you know, to, that love it that we shouldn't give an opportunity to people that really don't, you know, just because they know somebody or whatever. So that's a big, a big charge of mine is um, you know, getting, getting the people that, that really love the job, you know, as many chances as they can. So, uh, you know, that would be a word to the wise in my opinion. That's great. Well, coach, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have some more solid, great episodes. So you have something to listen to in the mornings. Yeah, it's awesome, and, and I'm glad you're doing it. And we'll 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 catch we'll catch one this week. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.